If you thought things couldn't get any crazier with the crashing cryptocurrency market, you're in for a shock because we have just gotten the announcement that cryptocurrency lending platform Celsius has suspended users from withdrawing their own funds and locked up billions of dollars worth of user funds. If you thought cryptocurrency was supposed to be safer and more secure than traditional banking, you're probably pretty confused by this announcement and you'll definitely want to watch today's video. Hey everyone and welcome back. This is the Part-Time Economist and in today's video we're going to be taking a look at some of the differences between traditional banking and so-called cryptocurrency banks. Now as always you know here on my channel I do educational videos. I don't endorse or disendorse any specific cryptocurrency projects. We're really just using a news headline and some of the basic objective facts to serve an educational purpose here. So in order to do that, we do need to go into just a little bit of what's going on with Celsius. And we can see on June 12th, they put out a memo that says, due to extreme market conditions, today we are announcing that Celsius is pausing all withdrawals, swap, and transfers between accounts. We are taking this action today to put Celsius in a better position to honor over time its withdrawal obligations. And of course, I I will leave uh, the full link to the article in the description so you can read it, so you can check out the full video. And I don't really want to speculate on why Celsius is doing this, right? I don't want to say, well, they over leveraged themselves, they lent out too much money. That's outside of my role. I want to stick to the facts. They're saying we have to stop these withdrawals, these swaps, um, and uh, these exchanges and transfers between accounts, right? And People are probably saying, whoa, 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 I thought cryptocurrency was decentralized and permissionless, and I thought this couldn't happen. Well, we need to understand that Celsius is kind of like a cryptocurrency bank. As you can see here, it says that Celsius uh, offers higher interest rates than a traditional bank. Basically, what people do, they deposit their crypto with Celsius. Celsius will lend it out earn interest, and then it, of course, will pass along some of that to the customers. And you're probably thinking, how is this any different than a savings account? Well, that is a very good question, and I have made this Google Slides presentation to go over some of the differences. Now, the key point of this video is to show you some of the differences between traditional banking and crypto banking. But in order to do that, what we need to do is first kind of build up why traditional banking exists, some of the flaws with traditional banking, how cryptocurrency was designed to overcome it, and then we will loop back around and finally get to the point where cryptocurrency basically becomes traditional banking anyway. So uh, with that being said, let's think of simply saving money. I'm not talking Talking about investing, I'm not talking about lending, just saving money. You've got $50, you're going to need $50 10 years from now to buy something, right? You simply put it under your mattress, you bury it in your yard. Uh, there's risk, of course, that you move to a different house and forget you buried it. There's a couple risks, but in general, you're going to get the exact same amount and you're going to have access to it whenever you want, right? Now, over time, you're going to say, you know, I don't really like the idea of burying my money or putting it under my mattress, so I'm going to deposit this money in a bank. Now, you're still thinking, I don't need this money for a very long time. And indeed, many people that put their money in the bank are doing it to save for a very long time. So let's suppose that We've got a lot of different people, let's say a hundred different people, and they each put in six dollars. So the bank gets six hundred dollars. And over time, the bank says, you know, I have these six hundred dollars here, but 
these people, 90% of them are saving it for years and years and years. I only have maybe one or two people a week that come in and they want $6, right? So of this total amount that I have here, I'm only really needing about 10 to 5% of it to honor in terms of withdrawals. And I've got all this money just kind of sitting here taking up space. What if I started loaning out some of that money? I've got $600. If I loan out $200, I'll still have $400. And that is still way more than people are going to come in to withdraw. So what the bank does is it keeps the $400. It starts lending out $200 or a cert again, this is dependent on your country, your banking regulations, but they will loan out a certain percentage of their total assets. They'll make money on it. And then they know that if everyone came in all at once, that of course they wouldn't have enough money to give them, but that doesn't usually happen until it does happen. And everyone comes in and they say, hey, we want our $600. We want it now. I want everything that I have put into the bank. And the bank says, best I can do is $400. Sorry, LOL, because the bank has lent out that $200 and there simply isn't enough money there to honor all of the people that want to withdraw their money. Now, we do have central banks. We've got FDIC insurance here in the United States. I'm sure other countries have similar things to kind of mitigate and prevent this. But keep in mind, this idea of a bank run is going to prove very important as we move forward and start getting into cryptocurrency. Now, even with FDIC, even with a lot of these protections we have, there are still issues with traditional banking. A lot of people don't like fractional reserve because they think it's inherently unstable. So in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis, Satoshi Nakamoto, and again, we don't really know who Satoshi Nakamoto is, um, if it was a group of individuals, if it was a man, if it was a woman, we have no idea. So let's just suppose that they decided, hey, a lot of uh, the instability in the financial system is based on the fact that they're, we're having to trust these banks, right? We're having to trust that they're keeping accurate reserve requirements. So let's not trust them. Let's instead have a publicly viewable database of who owns what. So I'll know exactly how much money I own. I will know how much this uh, this account owns and it can only be moved, it can only be lent out with my specific permission. And the only way we can update this database is if we reach consensus, right? So one bank can't just come in and create more money for itself or it can't lend out someone else's funds. Each individual has self-sovereignty over their funds, right? And this was kind of the initial premise of cryptocurrency. I want to visualize the ownership of cryptocurrency here, if you will. Now, we know that when you say you own cryptocurrency, there's no such thing as a physical Bitcoin, right? It doesn't exist. There's no Ether. There's no Bitcoin Cash. There's no XRP. It's not even like a PDF file that you store on your computer. Rather, I want you to imagine a decentralized database. And this database basically says, part-time economists own this. Uh, this person owns this. So you don't really have cryptocurrency on your computer. Rather, you have a private key that allows you to access a specific entry on a database. So you can see here I've got a database and each of these different strings of characters represents someone's private key. So private key uh, CEHC155255CE3 can move this amount of Bitcoin or Ether or whatever that's assigned to that specific address. It can't move 
the cryptocurrency that's assigned to OKJ99. It can't move the cryptocurrency that's assigned to 5E89CEJ. Uh, it can only move the cryptocurrency that's assigned to its specific address. And so far, so good, right? No one can lend our cryptocurrency if we don't want to. No one can move our cryptocurrency. We have total control over that cryptocurrency. Now, let's suppose we want to get into cryptocurrency banking. So we want to go to Celsius. We want to go to Nexo. We want to go to crypto.com. Again, I'm not endorsing any platforms. I'm just giving you an example here. If we want them to lend out our cryptocurrency for us, well, they can't do it if it is still assigned to our wallet address. So what we do, or all of these people do that want to lend their cryptocurrency through some third-party solution, they transfer their cryptocurrency to a like a master wallet, right? So instead of having a thousand people with 50 different addresses on the blockchain, they move all of their funds to this master wallet at Nexo or Celsius or whatever. And I'm oversimplifying just a little bit. But now what happens is this master wallet here for a third-party lending provider, it doesn't own a bunch of different accounts. All of those accounts have come into the master wallet. Let's just suppose, again, I'm simplifying here, but let's suppose they only have one Bitcoin wallet and everyone that sends in Bitcoin, it goes to that one wallet, right? Again, what do we know about cryptocurrency? The only people that can access or move funds that are assigned to a certain address is the holder of that private key. So when you send your funds to Celsius or to Nexo, you're essentially moving them to a wallet where they have the private key. So you can't send them money and then say, oh, now I'm going to withdraw my money because it is assigned to their address. Now, when things are working properly, what they do is they say, okay, we've got this huge address of all this cryptocurrency and we're going to make a little note here. So Sally owns 0.4 Bitcoin, Jim owns 0.02, and then Fred owns 0.25 Bitcoin. But here's the key difference between holding crypto yourself and holding it with a third-party lending solution or a crypto bank. When you own it yourself, you as the owner of those private keys are the only person that can move it and access that Bitcoin. Not only that, but no one can really stop you from accessing that Bitcoin. When you move it into a third-party uh, solution like this, you don't have a private key. You have a note, a memo that says, hey, we owe this person this. So yes, of course, they are a company. You, they have an obligation to right give you those funds because they're technically yours, but that obligation has to be imposed, right? So you have to take them to bankruptcy court or whatever the case is. Um, you're not guaranteed access to those funds in the same way as if you hold your cryptocurrency in your personal wallet. It's the same difference between burying your money in your backyard and putting your money in the bank. Yes, the bank has an obligation to give you that money, but you they can also stop you from getting that money. In the same way, if you bury your money in the yard, not a lot of people can really stop you from going and just digging that money up yourself. So a similar analogy here. And again, this is all really good until people all want their cryptocurrency all at once. They say, hey, the market's going down. I want my cryptocurrency. And the bank says, well, sorry, most of it is lent out. So I, I can't really do that. And they say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't cryptocurrency more secure and decentralized and permissionless? And I'm my own bank. And they say, well... 
for whoever holds the private keys it is, and that person is not you. And this is what I want you to conceptualize. When you hold your cryptocurrency in your own personal wallet, you have the ability to move whatever amount of crypto is assigned to your specific address. It's done in a decentralized way. So uh, Nexo or Celsius, they can't stop you from moving that because you're the one that owns those private keys. When you transfer your cryptocurrency into their wallet, Again, they have an IOU. Yes, they do have an obligation because it is your funds, but the power that you have is much less because now you have an IOU. You don't have that magical key that accesses cryptocurrency on a decentralized blockchain. So um, kind of wrapping everything up here, you can see how cryptocurrency kind of gets back to some of the original problems with traditional banking, right? So we had traditional banking. We had these uh, bank runs where the bank would lend out more than it has and cryptocurrency in the original pure implementation was, hey, everyone is going to have full custody over their own assets, right? And in that sense, yes, you were your own bank. But when you take something, again, it's the same thing as having dollars in your backyard. Think of cryptocurrency in your own wallet as those dollars in your backyard. Whether you move dollars in your backyard to a bank or you move cryptocurrency in your wallet to a third-party platform, it's the exact same. You're giving that custody to someone else. And instead of owning the asset, you have claim on an IOU. So kind of uh, interesting here how it kind of all goes back in a circle. And again, this isn't to say that Celsius or Nexo or crypto lending platforms are inherently bad, right? Of course, I've used some of them myself in the past, may still use them now. Um, but it is important to understand the differences between when you're using one of these third-party providers versus holding the cryptocurrency in your wallet yourself. Another thing I will point out is that unlike traditional banks, Anything that you put in a cryptocurrency bank is not FDIC insured. They might have their own private insurance, but again, it's not FDIC insured. So just not telling you not to do it or to do it, but just trying to get you to understand that when you have cryptocurrency and you have in your head this idea that it's permissionless, decentralized, all of these things... In and of itself, yes, yes, that is true, but when you move it to a third-party custodian that that changes right it becomes much more like a you know a traditional deposit and again not saying it's good not saying it's bad just a lot of people that are confused right now by celsius they're like well what what's going on what happened i thought cryptocurrency i'm i'm my own bank that's why i'm making this video to inform people that when you do that transfer you are kind of transforming some of those attributes of cryptocurrency making it much more like a traditional financial asset so i did as best as i could in this video to explain it uh, without getting into like financial advice or anything like that but i do appreciate you watching the video i know it's a little bit longer uh, so i hope you enjoyed it and i'll see you next time